0: Uh, We have an entity in New York called the United Nations, but I think we all realize that the United Nations is actually the divided nations, that there is no real oneness outside of the triune God. Welcome to Life Study, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry.
1: Life Study is a study of the Bible emphasizing life. Jesus said in John 6.63, The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. Life study is the fruit of over 70 years of ministry by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Watchman Nee began this ministry in China in the 1920s and continued it until his imprisonment and eventual martyrdom. Witness Lee brought this ministry to the United States in 1962. Before we join Witness Lee with today's life study of the Gospel of John, we would like to give you our toll-free number through which you may obtain a free copy of today's message. That toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. Again, that's 1-888-543-3788. With us in the program again today is Ed Marks. Ed has been an editor with Living Stream Ministry for over 12 years. Ed, again today we are going to be in the Lord's Prayer in John 17. Why is this such an important passage in the New Testament
0: Revelation? This passage is maybe the most important portion of the Holy Word because this is the Lord's final recorded prayer before he goes to the cross to die. And what we see in this prayer is the aspiration of the Lord's heart's desire actually becomes his specific prayer to the Father. So in this prayer, what we see is the very heart's desire of the triune God. And in verse 1 of this prayer, the Lord opens by saying, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. So this is a prayer for the Father to glorify the Son that the Son may glorify the Father. And what this means is for the Father and the Son to have a full expression through his many believers. And this expression of himself is his glorification. Then the whole content of this prayer is, it's actually a prayer for the believers to be built up into one. If the triune God is going to be expressed, the believers have to be built up into one in the triune God, because the only real oneness in the universe is a oneness in the triune God. And this is a oneness that cannot be seen among the human race. Uh, We have an entity in New York called the United Nations, but I think we all realize that the United Nations is actually the divided nations that there is no real oneness outside of the triune God. So in this prayer, uh, like for instance in verse 11, the Lord prays to the Father. He says that they may be one even as we are one. Well, how is the triune God one? The oneness in the triune God is a oneness of coinherence. The three of the Godhead do not merely coexist, they also co This means that they mutually indwell one another. The Father is in the Son, and the Son is in the Father. So the Lord goes on to pray, and this is in verse 21. He says that they all may be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. So the Father is in the Son, the Son is in the Father, and the Son prays that we the believers may be in the Father and the Son who mutually indwell one another. And this is a mysterious oneness. This is a oneness of co-inherence. So what this chapter shows us is that the only real oneness is the oneness in the triune God. And when the believers are built up into one in the triune God, then the Son and the Father are glorified. In other words, They are expressed and manifested in a full way through the believers for the glory of the Triune God.
1: Now let's join Witness Lee for today's life study of the Gospel of John, Chapter 17.
2: We come to uh, the second factor of the genuine oneness, that is, in the Triune God through sanctification by the Holy Word. The first factor is in the Father's name. The second factor is in the Triune God. And the first factor is by the eternal life. And the second factor is by the Holy Word. In the Father's name by the eternal life. In the Triune God by the Holy Word. And the Holy Word is a sanctifying word. The Word is the reality of the Father. As the reality, the Word works in the believers to sanctify the believers, to separate them from the world. Into God, not only into God, but also into God to make them holy, not only positionally, but also dispositionally, not only to change your position, but also to change your disposition, to change your. Inward being. Now, the world, the world is a system of Satan lying in the evil way. Regardless, Hawaiian, regardless, Canadian, regardless, the movie theater, all are belonging to the satanic system. The believers, they are not of the world but separated from the world. Yet, not taken out of the world, but sent into the world. We all have to be so clear that we are not of the world. Yet, we are not separated from the world. Not taken out of the word, but sent into the word. Like the father sending the son with himself as life and everything to the son. When the father sent the son, the father came with the son. As the son's life and as the son's everything. So in the same way, the son sends us. The believers, with himself, as life, and as everything to the believers.
1: Ed, perhaps we could break in right here. We're in the midst of Witness Lee's sharing on sanctification, but a question comes to mind. What does
0: it mean that we are in the world but not of the world? What we see in this portion in John 17 is that if we're going to be separated from the world and not be of the world, But on the other hand, sent into the world, we need to be filled with God's Word. This is why the Word, God's Word, is versus the world. The Lord says here in John 17, 17, He says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth. The only way we can be sanctified from the world... And that we can be separated from being mixed with the world is for us to be saturated and soaked with God's Word. In this way, we're sanctified in the Word, we're separated from the world, then we can be sent into the world to dispense the triune God into people for their salvation, to bring the triune God into them and to bring them into the triune God into this divine and mystical oneness that is only in the triune god now let's rejoin witness lee
2: sanctification in the bible has these two aspects the positional aspect and the dispositional aspect Uh, matthew chapter 23 says when the offering uh, put on the altar the altar sanctifies the offering. When the gold put into the temple, the temple sanctifies the gold. And that is the positional sanctification. When the gold is in the gold store on the market, that is secular, not holy. But when the gold will be put into the temple, the position is changed, the gold right way becomes sanctified, becomes the holy gold in the holy temple. But this kind of sanctification doesn't touch the nature of the gold, doesn't change anything of the gold being. It only changes the gold position that is, the positional sanctification. So, you have a verse in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 that says, You be holy, entirely sanctified in your body, soul, and spirit. Your spirit, soul, and body, entirely sanctified. That doesn't mean the positional sanctification, but rather the dispositional sanctification. The sanctification in chapter 17 uh, implies both aspects, positionally and dispositionally. We have to be sanctified both positionally and dispositionally in order to keep the proper, genuine oneness. All the believers are one in the Triune God. But, listen, we all need the sanctification by the Holy Word. This is the second aspect of oneness. Firstly, we have to take care of the reality of the divine life. Secondly, we have to take care of the sanctification of the Holy Word. So, the divine life and the Holy Word both are for the real genuine oneness that results in the real building. For the matter of sanctification, the son, when he was on this earth, sanctified himself. Why? Because though he himself was absolutely holy, yet for setting up an example. Still, he needed in his living to sanctify himself. i just give you one illustration. Nicodemus, as an old gentleman, came to the world deep in the night right into his private place and had a private talk. That was okay. But, in chapter 4, the Lord Jesus was going to contact an immoral Samaritan woman. The way he contacted the Samaritan woman was not in the night, but in the daytime. And was not in a private house, but under the open air. It was not so good for him to enter into that woman's private home and have a private talk deep in the night. You see, the Lord, by doing that, sanctified himself to set up a good example for his disciples.
1: Let's pause here again, Ed. I think that before we go on to the third aspect of oneness, it would be helpful to pick up this matter of the two types of sanctification. What is the difference between positional
0: and dispositional sanctification? Simply speaking, positional sanctification is for us to be separated unto God from all things other than God. Dispositional sanctification is for us to be saturated with God, soaked with God, filled with God, and permeated with God so that we can express God in our whole being. And we can see the difference between these two aspects of sanctification from the Word. In Matthew 23, verses 17 and 19, we see that the the offering is sanctified by the altar, and the gold is sanctified by the temple. In other words, once the offering is brought to the altar, when its position changes, it's sanctified. In the same way, we believers, of course, this is in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, When we are cleansed with the blood of Christ, when we receive Christ as our Savior, he separates us from the world positionally, and we are made holy unto God in our position. But the problem is, in our disposition, in our inward being, we're not holy. This is why we need to be saturated and soaked with God's holy nature. So 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Paul says, that he prays that God would sanctify us wholly in our spirit, in our soul, and in our body. This sanctification is for us to be saturated with God's holy divine nature so that we can be sanctified unto God dispositionally. We can see an example of this with the children of Israel in the Old Testament. When they came out of Egypt, they were separated unto God positionally. But in their being, dispositionally, they were still Egyptian in constitution. So what the Lord did is he had to change their diet from an Egyptian diet to a heavenly diet. This is why he fed them with manna for 40 years. Well, if you take this picture and you apply it to us, the New Testament believers, we've been separated under God positionally from the world. But this is why we need to eat the Lord as our spiritual, heavenly food, our spiritual, heavenly manna, day by day. We need to take the Lord as our spiritual, divine, heavenly diet in his holy word every day so that we could be saturated with his nature dispositionally for his expression. The example
1: that Witness Lee used of the Lord dealing with Nicodemus at night but with the Samaritan woman
0: in the open at midday, was an example of which type of sanctification? This is an example of positional sanctification. The Lord tells us in the Gospel of John that he sanctified himself for the sake of the disciples. What this means is that the Lord separated himself positionally in a very holy and in a most proper and divine way, to set himself up as an example for the disciples. When he contacted the Samaritan woman, it was out in the open during the day. He would never contact a woman alone at night. In 1 Thessalonians 5.22, Paul tells us that we need to abstain from all kind of evil. This even means from the appearance of evil. One thing that we need to point out is many Christian workers have had Tremendous failures because they have not taken care of being separated from the world in a proper way. Even we need to be careful in how we contact the opposite sex. Any of us at any time can fall into some serious sin. So the Lord set himself up as a pattern with this Samaritan woman. He wouldn't contact a woman alone at night. It had to be in the open at midday. And this set up a pattern for the disciples that they need to keep themselves in a holy position, not just so that they can be separated from everything of the world, but so that they could be kept in a position to be sanctified and saturated with God's holy nature dispositionally. Let's return to Witness Lee.
2: Now, we come to the third factor of the real oneness. That is, listen. In the divine glory for the expression of the triune God. This is much hair. In the divine glory for the expression of the triune God. First of all, we have to understand what is the glory. The glory <coughs> is the glory given to the son by the father. What is this? What is the glory that the Father gives to the Son? The glory given by the Father to the Son is the sonship with the Father's life and the Father's divine nature to express the Father in His fullness. This is the glory. The with the Father's life and nature to express the Father in all his fullness. This is the glory. The glory was firstly given to an individual sin. But now... Eventually, the glory has been passed on to the corporate sinship. Now, as many sins here, we all have this sinship, the divine sinship, with the divine life, with divine nature, to express the Father in the Son with all His fullness. What glory is this? I think we all got injected with certain kind of a fancy, vain concept. What is the glory? The glory is someday in the good band by shining in the air. And we will brought into that shining. Then we are in the glory. I Am I right? What is that? That is just a dream. What is the glory? The glory is the sense with the divine life and the divine nature to express the very Father in all His fullness. This is the glory. The what? Real, genuine oneness is by his life, by his word, and in the divine glory. When we reach at these aha, point of the genuine top oneness, I tell you, we are perfected into one. By what? By the divine glory given to the believers. To express the triangle in a corporate way. When we reach here, we would drop everything. We drop not only the worldly attraction, we drop not only our own concept, we drop even all the doctrine. We drop everything we would be here only for the glorious expression of our Father God. Amen. That would be wonderful. That is a a real miniature of the New Jerusalem. Marvelous.
1: Well, Ed, that will be marvelous. What a high, high revelation. I really don't have a question. I would just like to hear your comments.
0: Yes, I'd like to just give an overview of this chapter to show how marvelous, high, deep, and wonderful this is concerning the believers being built up into one in the triune God. Firstly, what we see is that the believers are one in the Father's name by the eternal life. This means that when we receive Christ as our life, we believers are one in that life. We have the same life. We have the Father's life, and this makes us one. This is the initial stage of the oneness of the believers. But then this oneness needs to go on, and what we see further in this chapter is that we become one in the triune God through sanctification by his holy word. We need to be sanctified in God's word to be separated from the world which divides us. And Ephesians 5.26 is a marvelous verse on this point and very practical. It says that we need to be sanctified by the washing of the water in the Word. Every day we believers need to be in the Holy Word. We need to read the Bible. We need to read the Bible prayerfully every day so that we can be sanctified in the Word. And this is so that we can be built up into one in the triune God. This is the progressing stage of the oneness of the believers. But eventually, there's the consummating stage of the oneness. And this is the oneness in the divine glory for the expression of the triune God. So for us to be one, the Father gave us his divine life, he gave us his holy word, and he gave us his divine glory. And what is this divine glory? This divine glory is the sonship. We are the sons of God, and we have the Father's life and the Father's nature to express the Father in his fullness. This is the consummating stage of the divine oneness. Eventually, this consummating stage, it will be the new Jerusalem, where all the believers are fully saturated and soaked and mingled with the triune God to express the triune God in glory. For eternity. This means that the, in the new Jerusalem, all of us will be, will be perfected into one in the triune God, will be fully saturated with the Father's life and nature to express the Father in his fullness for the glorious expression of the triune God. This is the consummating stage of the oneness in the divine glory for the expression of the triune God. So we need to thank the Lord that we have his eternal life. This means that as believers, we should not live by our natural life. We should live by the divine life in our spirit. We also have the Father's holy word. This means we should be sanctified in the word day by day. And we also have the Father's divine glory. This means that we should not express ourselves We should live a life of expressing the Father and magnifying Christ by denying ourself and living by the Father's life for his expression. And the ultimate expression of the triune God will be when we are fully mingled and built up into the triune God to be the new Jerusalem, which is the bride of Christ, the wife of Christ, for the glorious expression of the triune God for eternity. We need to praise the Lord for this prayer in John 17, and I hope that all of us would exercise to pray this prayer, even in a daily way, so that the Lord could accomplish His eternal purpose to build us up into one in the Triune God. Ed, thanks for the fellowship. If you would like a free copy of today's
1: Life Study message, call toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's one 1-888- 888 Or write us at Living Stream Ministry P.O. Box 2121 Anaheim, California 92814 Or visit us at our website at www.lsm.org Our number again is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY Thank you for listening.